Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. I was a very shy uh, student back then like I was I, I don't talk much and and um, having to see me come this far he's yeah. he's also like he cannot believe that <laughs> that shy kid actually made it this far yeah um, but the magic of this book but the magic of this book is the imagination because I am a, like yeah. if people I mean my my um, the students I went to school with back then they would know that I am a very 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 shy very shy kid like mm. I back then like I was mm. I was very timid yeah. in a way uh, but those books that I was reading the Harry Boys Secret Seven from his wife Nancy, Nancy Drew, Drew. Uh, they basically built that imaginations that I can go out and get those adventures yeah. too and I can be brave in my own way in even own like way. you don't have to be that outspoken kid in right. school you don't have to be um, that outgoing people with a whole lot of friends <laughs> all you need to do is just believe in yourself so, and have some imaginations yeah, yeah. Welcome to Coming to the Mat, where we welcome our listeners and visitors around the globe to take their seat on the mat with us and share in this safe space stories of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women who are making a difference in their own lives, communities and countries, respectively. I am Dr. Meritari Sovic, your host. Now, what drives a person to overcome obstacles in life? We all know that life is going to give us challenges, struggles, and it will force us to face our own fears and realities, and at the same time help us to get a more clear perspective of our own values and our own passions in life. Now, tough times often calls or do call for inspiring stories. So today, we are going to listen to an inspirational story about how one Pacific Island woman overcame her fear of shyness and obstacles in life to finding her passion in nursing the sick 
through her work as a registered nurse. We will follow her life story from a young girl refusing to give up on her education after failing her exams and rejected by several schools to continue on her education. And all she had to learn from for an entire year of being housebound were reading materials that she could find from a makeshift library next to her house. Reading books like Nancy Drew, The Famous Five, and others borrowed from this makeshift library were the only way she could escape her reality. A way to keep her spirit high and imagine a world that she could cough up for herself one day as she draws from the adventures of this young girl detective, always globe-trotting and solving mysteries with her best friends, changed her entire world. And today, she too traveled the world from her tiny island nation of Vanuatu to New Zealand and on to the US, where she cares for the sick. And as a frontliner during COVID-19, once again, she was faced with her fear of the unknown, but refused to give up and put her life on the line to once more help fight against COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome to Coming to the Mat, as we welcome Ms. Floral Bullen to Coming to the Mat to story on with me. And I hope that our listeners or you who are listening will enjoy and be empowered by her story. Growing up in Vanuatu, I think what motivated me mostly is basically um, as a kid seeing my mother trying to be very independent and especially financially and that um, pushes me to uh, think about being independent myself especially having like financial freedom and freedom to make my own choices and um, not uh, depend on other people to make their choices for me and also there are other factors that affect uh, um, my decisions is situations like the environment itself um, having to grow up in um, a family that we struggle a lot to make ends meet so I um, I think it it pushes me to um, mm, motivates you yeah motivates me to mm. um, study hard and um, make my own journey yeah so you talk a little bit about financial freedom an example is having to see the struggle of uh, you know trying to get uh, understanding what are the some of the barriers and obviously for you watching your mom struggle to be the desire of being financially free and having the choices to make her own choices uh, especially financially um, so that was one of your motiva motivating factors to uh, make your own path 
when you're ready. Uh, what are some other motivations, motivational factor for you as a young Vanuatu girl? Um, were there other examples? Just okay, so I think one of the uh, the biggest uh, motivating factor for me is that um, I went to school and um, after class six, I basically failed my exam mm -hmm. and I had to stay home for one year. Mm -hmm. But sometimes uh, students, I mean, kids would repeat class six during that time. I think it was like 1980s, early 1990s. So if... Um, so that's sixth so, grade. For for those who are listening in the United States, that would be sixth grade. Yeah. Um, that's the system that was in Vanuatu back then. Obviously now it's different. So when you get yeah. to sixth grade, you have to set, it's called an... A national exam for you yeah, to, to get to um, year, year seven, seven and go and, on. Yeah, yeah, and most of the time, if you fail the exam, that mm -hmm. is it for for the kids. And right. that was one of the things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. So, and it was hard for my parents to um, uh, find money to mm -hmm. kind of um, help me to repeat class six. So I, I stayed at home for one whole year without mm -hmm. doing anything. And as a young uh, girl uh, growing up and seeing other kids going to school, mm -hmm. it was um, it was heartbreaking. Yes. So how old were I, you then? It was I was maybe eleven years old. Eleven years old. Yeah. Can you imagine 11, being 12. at eleven years old and that's it? Yeah. You know you can't go on anymore if yeah. you failed. Yes. Yeah, so I um, stayed home um, and. Uh, Fortunately, we have, um, there was this uh, library that was owned by Rotary Club mm -hmm. um, in Santo and they would allow any kids to come in and sign up and borrow books. So I spent most of my time after helping my mom at home with um, housework. So then I would escape and go to the library and uh, basically grab those books and go home and read for myself. Um, and I think while reading those books, um, my interests were basically adventurous books. So mm. if you were growing up in the 1980s and 19, early 1990s, uh, there were books like The Firmest Five, The Secret Seven, and you have like Nancy, Nancy, Nancy Drew, Drew. Mm -hmm. and um, The Hattie Boys. Mm. So I would basically uh, read these books and imagine myself involved with those adventures. And it exposed me to the things that I wasn't exposed to because uh, my parents couldn't get us out. Um, you know, like uh, in Vanuatu, there was no such thing as, you know, we, we during that time um, to go out on vacation. And there was no internet. And there was no internet mm -hmm. uh, at the time. So you have to make make do with whatever you have. So as, as a kid, I was so blessed to have Rotary Club, you know, the library been built so close to my home. And that was my biggest motivation uh, after when the doors were opening for me, even though I'm a quiet and if you, if you first, first meet me, I'm kind of a little bit shy, but when I, once I start opening up, but those books um, build uh, the the courage in me to go ahead and uh, do the things I'm doing today. And um, it's not only the books. The other things that inspire me a whole lot is my grandma on my father's side. Um, she used to be a nurse uh, way back, and my dad has a picture of her at home. 
And as a kid, that kind of triggers something that as a woman mm-hmm. in Vanuatu, she mm-hmm. did that. I can I can do that. Right. Um, so it got me into nursing uh, because of her. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't exclude my mom. My mom is like the biggest catalyst in changing mm. uh, the narrative in uh, my upbringing and mm. making sure that I go down a different journey mm. and be able to, um, even if things come across that uh, difficult, but to push hard and find ways to make it work for myself. Wow. So you had the experiences you're surrounding you, you, you know, that was your mother was obviously a huge factor. Yeah. Um, she not only motivated you, she encouraged you. Exactly. And seeing her life, um, that she wasn't, she, she decided yeah. the freedom, the financial and, freedom. And also remember, she didn't go to school. Right. But, and she couldn't, she couldn't uh, read also, oh. but she uh, did so much in making sure that uh, she changed that story right. for her kids right. um, growing up. And um, yeah, she has, she has done a lot. Uh, even one, one of the biggest thing that I, I basically didn't forget is that um, she pushes me to repeat classics, even when mm-hmm. we didn't have enough money. I remember going with her to a school and asking for a space um, to get into the school and they, um, they told my mom that they didn't have it and i remember going home crying mm. and she kept telling me that it's gonna happen mm. it will happen and um there was so little money we have but she uh dreamed big with that little yeah. and that's what made me enable me to dream big with the little i have mm. to go forward and 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 also i believe that our specific islanders uh, our fate and god has Exactly. And that's one thing she installed like 24 (laughs) seven in me and my siblings to make sure that Mm -hmm. we know that we can do all things um, through Christ. Yeah. Right. So you you talked a lot about um, also the desire to go back to school and you didn't have the money and the space at the school you were. And so that feeling of being rejected because again yeah, I yeah yeah I experienced rejection at the very early age, age. Uh, with how the system was uh, set up for mm-hmm. um, for kids, kids to go going to, to school mm-hmm. back then in the early 1980s mm-hmm. I mean in the 1980s and early 1990s mm-hmm. um, so that also pushes me to uh, make sure that I um, I basically uh, get all the opportunities I can when a door is open and not kind of um, just um, take it uh, lightly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, you know, the, the stories, the, your story sounds very familiar in, in the context of anyone who's um, perhaps growing up in a country there was less opportunity. Yeah. And during fact, that time, during I think the now time there's a period, lot has changed. Yeah. But mm. I think during the time, um, yeah. Yeah. And so your story went from not just that, but then you were able to make it to a secondary school. Yes. And then what happened after that? So I think if you ever um, lived in Vanuatu, there's a, a secondary school in the uh, Torpa, one of our provinces. It's called Torpa Province. Mm-hmm. And um, 
when you look at that school uh, it's actually like it's one of the lowest um, academic school in my home country it's called Arab Chinese Secondary School but I think you know I haven't been home for so long there's a lot have changes mm -hmm. but during my this is my experience I'm talking about my experience mm -hmm. during that time it was um, it was seen as you know the students in that school we weren't really making uh, a well to get out mm -hmm. um, so um, I would also like to thank the teachers that came in during those years that we work. Uh, we, I mean, when we were in that school, that they put so much in making sure that we actually um, excel from there, mm. despite whatever mm. uh, that was perceived about that school. Right. Um, so then uh, from there, with a lot of help from my teacher and also me realizing that, okay, this is my opportunity, opportunity. even though it's one of the lowest um, academic school in Vanuatu I'm gonna make use of this yeah so I study hard um, and also I keep reading the books whatever I can get so reading was a big reading aspect was of a life. big um, thing that I enjoy and I mm. felt like it helped a lot for me to understand everything else that comes in in learning mm. like uh, reading books right um, and then from there I was able to uh, pass my year I think it was like year 10 exam mm -hmm. and I went to Malapo College which I remember arriving there I was really shocked because I felt you know the English there was so good and having a student coming up from you know one of these islands where my English was so broken and um, I was scared I remember mm -hmm. crying the first few nights because mm -hmm. I was scared because mm -hmm. of the difference but um, Again, the teachers were so great in mm. helping us adjust to um, the difference um, from Arab to Malapora. Mm. I had some of the teachers that were in Arab. Uh, yeah, they were transferred to my school during to Malapora during that time. So mm. that was like God's hand, like moving. Yeah. I felt for me that we're, we're moving those people that were able to support me yeah. um, and making me realize that I can do it because they're here. Right. So, so a shout out to yeah. Mr. Cyril and Mr. Fouquet. Yes. They were great inspiration and support yes. for me. So Malapur College is uh, perhaps uh, the premier. That's kind of like During where the, time, the yeah, top of the, the cream the... people get, get to go to uh, Malapur. Well, it's College. obviously changed. Yeah. Things have changed, um, but that's where all the students will, you yeah. set the exams. At and that's where I felt like there's more opportunities right. and where you're exposed to all these opportunities to get out. Yeah. So I think that's where everything keeps um, kind of uh, connecting. Yeah. yeah and so Malapur College is uh, based and situated in Port Vila, in the capital of Vanuatu. And so if the kids get to go there, then they have a, a much better chance of getting out, maybe getting a scholarship um, and then further their studies overseas. So that could be probably if you're the lucky one, you get to do that or continue on to the USB. Um, yeah. And then from there, do some more, you know, be built on your credits to then um, get a scholarship and go out. So so what happened after Malapur College? So after Malapur College, um we have some amazing uh, career and tutors that basically kind of guide us to mm. um, achieving our goals mm. uh, from Malapur. So I was fortunate to have that. 
and I applied for uh, a scholarship and basically it was like a partial scholarship but I was blessed to get that scholarship and um, from there I went to study in New Zealand um, to become a nurse and um, after New Zealand um, I graduated and then I went home and unfortunately I had so many um, blockage in trying to get a job in at the hospital uh, back home I think a lot has changed also right now uh, but for me during the time um, I think the system was set up that um, unfortunately some of us were, were not weren't able, able to, to get a to get a job so it was very uh, one of the it was one of one of the darkest moments for my life also mm -hmm. and imagine that I was already rejected as a mm -hmm. kid trying mm -hmm. to get to um, to school uh, because of how the system was set up and then coming back from New Zealand and going through uh, the same thing again same for work. Um, it was hard but mm. Um, mm. I um, kind of get through it but um, it was through some some hard times yeah yeah, yeah. so you mentioned a little bit about um, about from Malapur going and then you got the partial scholarship yeah. with were there any introduction to you working in you know, some sort of practical sense of like maybe introduction to nursing did you have that when you were at Malapur were there um yes I did mm -hmm. so I I went and did um a day at the maternity ward ward in um in Villa Central Hospital I wanted to become a midwife, a funny mm. story, I went in and see women uh, you know, gave birth birthed. and that basically uh, made me change my <laughs> thing to just be, uh, you know, do the overall comprehensive nursing mm. than just one um, to be midwifery. Oh, yeah. okay. So that that experience was yeah. not the one you were expecting. <laughs> no, it wasn't the one that I was expecting. Um, but um, I think you know God works in mysterious ways. So right. I think this has actually built up in mm. uh, where I'm at today. Yeah. So now you're in New Zealand. So tell us a little bit about what was it like? How many years of nursing did you do? And then what was your first place that you worked as a as a nurse or practice after you so uh how i go to new zealand because remember i was trying to find a job in vanuatu mm -hmm. uh, for a while i think it was fortunate that one of our um, lecturer was actually emailing everybody and asking the students like um hey how are you doing did you get a job and i told them i was still struggling to get a job so she found a job for me and put me into a new grad program as a nurse in 2002 in um, Tarifiti Hospital, uh, if you have been Gisborne. to Gisborne, mm -hmm. and that's where I started. So I did like uh, six months mm -hmm. working from different units. I went to like Pete's for four months. I went to do uh, med uh, medicine, mm -hmm. um, the yeah med and then med search also. And then from there, I transfer myself. After I complete the new grad program, I moved to Wellington mm -hmm. and worked at Capital Cost Health. And I was working there at uh, Urology and Vascular um, Surgery Unit um, for maybe like two years. Mm -hmm. And then I did something drastic and moved to America. Before we get to that, so when we were, you know, you then got the chance of uh, the email that yeah. you receive after having a little bit of a difficulty Finding trying to find jobs job and some in, other life um, uh, situation that happened. Yeah, um, I, was, I was basically, I think during that time I was very depressed right? also. Um, yes. 
yeah, I was uh, going through a lot. Yes. So if like I would like to encourage uh, kids out there or yeah. anybody that just finished school, mm. are trying to find a job, um, just to not give up. Yes. Um, uh, because I had to, I think, I think if you have lived in uh, Vanuatu, any island, a nation in the Southwest so, Pacific, um, there is a, like, there's a lot that is in town. Like, I think if you live in the island, it's okay because you have, um, other resources, you can kind of take care of yourself. But when you live in town, uh, money is something that you yeah. have to, um, to have. Yeah. And I think um, I was putting, I think it was, there was a lot of pressure personally also. Mm. So um, I went through something that um, with my story, I felt like I, I, I'm not going to exclude that yes. uh, because it's one of the things that made me who I am today, that mm. I'm stronger uh, and go to places that I never dreamed of to be in is that I, uh, and then with the help of God, um, I tried to, um, I actually tried to commit suicide mm -hmm. um, during that time. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, so it, it took me a while, uh, but eventually, mm -hmm. with the help of everybody else, I got to New Zealand. Yeah, so that's something, I thank you for saying that and be, be very raw and honest because we live in a time right now where there's so much um, that young people are going through. So, yeah, there's the stories that we tell on coming to the mat especially um, stories from our own people, is to not only to tell about our success, but it's also to tell about how did we go yeah, through our trials that. and failures yes. also. Because that's because what that, makes us strong. Yeah, exactly. That, and, that make you mm -hmm. made up the story because I don't yeah. want to just tell people about my success yes. and also about my failures. Yeah. I, and if you ever think of the iceberg, um, you know, the iceberg story, whatever you see the a, some a success underneath that iceberg there's so much that a person goes through and this is a real the story of uh, what we are going through and young people are going through yeah and even like mm. women at home yes um you know like to be able to talk to each other mm -hmm. encourage mm. each other and get mm. through I've, i i think like looking back to where vanuatu is i am like um so grateful for the women working back home right now. Yes. In uplifting each other. Yes. Yes. And making sure that, you know, mm. no one is left behind. Yeah. Mm, yes. And it really does take a village. Um, so you had that incident, but that incident also um, pushed you. Exactly. So that incident basically, um, it kind of built me to never give up uh, because after so here's the thing if i had committed suicide and been successful with it mm -hmm. i wouldn't have seen what god has in store for me i wouldn't mm -hmm. have seen or heard ahead of that so don't let the devil you know uh, tell you that you're yeah. not good enough right right um so then now i'm where i'm at and walking into places that i've never dreamed mm -hmm. to be in and realizing oh my god like if i had gone through with that mm -hmm. things can change things never stays the same yeah. they do change yeah. so you just have to press forward yeah and also encouraging family members mm -hmm. to be supportive to each other wherever whatever uh, each person is going through wherever mm -hmm. they are mm -hmm. in their story mm -hmm. is just be supportive yeah because yeah, we all have a story to tell yeah and the story keeps changing the no one stays the same yeah that's right 
So you were in New Zealand, so you, you worked there for about three and a half years, right? 2002 yes. to 2006. Yes. Okay, so how was that like working in New Zealand? In New Zealand. So yeah. in New Zealand, um, while I was there, I basically um, gained so much experience mm -hmm. uh, working in a, a vascular and um, neurology unit. And uh, I think it was more, it basically um, also kind of built up my confidence to get out of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So I did, in, um, if you if you have, ne like if people wanted to know what it is, uh, a message urology and vascular unit we do uh, we take care of patients that um, come in with um, um, diseases like uh, relating to vascular um, uh, surgeries and stuff mm -hmm. so we do things like uh, fimple bypass triple a repairs um, we do angioplasty and we do um, also a whole lot of tap, um, which is transuretral uh, resection of bladder tumor and also um, we do uh, we do ileal bladder formation, ileal formations and all that, um, and then also we do like a whole lot of generalized surgery that generalized surgeries like appendectomy, mm. cholecystectomy, and all that. Mm. Um, so it's mainly a surgical um, unit. That, so that's where you yeah, started off. That's where I started off. Yeah. Did Did you like that? Was it something that you felt like that was kind of the trigger, the path where you want to go into? We talked about you trying out midwife the first time, and that was yeah. not something that you. No, that <laughs> wasn't. That was like an eye opener. Like, no, I don't want to do that. But a shout out to every yes. uh, labor and delivery nurses out there you're doing a great job yes. but sometimes you know whatever that you're passionate to do so for me it was more um, surgery, surgery patients mm, and okay. then my story changes I go to do different things mm -hmm. but yeah so in New Zealand I basically uh, was working in that unit yeah mm. and so then now we're gonna go through how did you get from New Zealand to the United States so while I was in New Zealand, so uh, we have a lot of nurses, like we meet a lot of nurses coming from different countries. Mm. So with the conversations at work, I started being exposed to um, this thing called travel nursing. Mm. So um, they were telling me and showing me um, the ropes and how to get out. And also, I while I was in New Zealand, there was the thing that I heard, um, like you have this uh, graduate um, university students coming in and they said they have to do the overseas experience, a big OE. Mm. So most of the students, I mean, most, most of the uh, young nurses that I work with, they would go to countries like Ireland, Dubai, um, um, England, um, and then uh, there's a few that I met that came from the Philippines and wanting to go to America. And that's when I um, started doing my own research. Mm. And um, I connect, you know, you have this network of people and then I connect with um, a nursing agency in, um, in New Zealand itself. It was called Geneva Health International and they okay. kind of started the whole thing for me. And then I, uh, was transferred to Avant Healthcare, mm. um, agency in America. Mm -hmm. And that's how I oh, came gosh. here to work. They so what was the passion me. behind you? Um, you, okay. So you had the experience of working with yeah. these women, uh, obviously the conversation around how they come to work work in New Zealand but what was the passion like what was the, still the drive of that adventure as a little kid where you yeah. read all these books and you think about like I you know obviously there must have been something that just really 
Okay, remember, like, I, I was growing up, like, mm. uh, with, with my family, they, like, we, we struggled. So there wasn't, right. like, you know, there wasn't this opportunity where you're able to get out and travel and uh, see the world. Mm. So with reading the books and having this opportunity open for me, mm. I basically, and also all the struggles that I have gone through. Right. You know, trying to uh, get a job in Vanuatu and all that. So it was like... Um, Hey, I can I can do this mm. uh, even if I have to come by myself. Mm. Um, I have those imaginations already growing from those books mm. I was reading as a kid to kind of like uh, push me forward. Like, don't be scared. Just get on the plane, and everything will fall into place. Right. Yeah. So we haven't mentioned one thing though. Again, going back to those imaginations, and so tell us about um, this one teacher <laughs> that was in your class. You were in his class, and you know yeah. he often say very shy, needs to participate. <laughs> oh. So amazingly, like I went to school in uh, Vanuatu at Malapur College, and I have you. You have if you have heard of Pisco volunteers, they work in different um, sectors of. Um, you know, uh, whatever that needs to be developed in um, those countries. Mm. So thank you to Pisco because uh, I have an amazing teacher that uh, was my accounting teacher, Mr. Sofik, Jason Sofik, which is uh, Dr. Mera's husband. Um, and um, he, I think to him also, because I was a very shy uh, student back then, like I was, I, I don't talk much and and um having to see me come this far he's yeah. he's also like he cannot believe that <laughs> that shy kid actually made it this far yeah um but the magic of those books but the magic of this book is the imagination because i am a, like yeah. people i mean my my um the students i went to school with back then they would know that i am a very 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 shy very shy kid like mm. i back then like i was mm. i was very timid yeah. in a way um, but those books that I was reading, The Hattie Boys, Secret Seven from His Wife, Nancy Drew, uh, they basically built that imaginations that I can go out and get those adventures yeah. too. And I can be brave in my own way. In your Even own like way. you don't have to be that outspoken kid in right. school. You don't have to be um that outgoing people with a whole lot of friends. <laughs> All you need to do is just believe in yourself so, and have some imaginations. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's how this whole, you know, the, the whole adventures of that very shy girl. Yeah. Deep down, she, um, that's the power of imagination and also the power of books. Books. Yeah. Like if you ask me, um, uh, what are the things to tell the kids mm -hmm. that will kind of uh, help you a lot? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say anything else, but mm -hmm. it is uh, first thing that comes first is God mm -hmm. and reading books. Reading books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just something. So off you went to United States, but now you have to tell the story about your journey from... Um, the, the within the agency, obviously, you had to set some exams. Yeah, so coming to, oh, I sound like that movie, Coming to America. <laughs> so coming to America, um, um, so there is this exam that all the nurses in America have to set. It's called NCLEX. Mm. So even though I already graduated in New Zealand, despite mm. coming, uh, you know, coming over here, you have to set that exam exactly. also. So I went through like several months in New Zealand mm. uh, studying and then also the agency um, that employed me sent me to Hong Kong to set the exam. Mm -hmm. So and then I set the exam and then um, 
passed the exam and then I came over here I had to I went to Florida mm. and then they train you uh, they kind of orientate you into the healthcare system in America because it's a little bit different from um, other countries mm. and uh, after that I got a job of all the places in the in, that I could go to it was a, in a trauma center like it was wow. a trauma unit mm -hmm. a surgical trauma unit in uh, Phoenix Arizona mm. and I I, um, unfortunately, I mean, it's kind of like, it's a little bit crazy because I, I really did not know mm -hmm. that there was a, a city called Phoenix and a state, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they just put me on that plane. So it's a placement where you just, yeah, they put you wherever yeah, basically. they need. But before coming, you know, like with all the, every experience is connected to, to each other. Because right. when I left Vanuatu, I left with only a little bit of money right. to support me while I was working. Mm. So before coming to here, I uh, basically planned a little bit better. So planning is very important. Planning is, mm. yeah, you have to plan. Um, especially traveling alone and being a woman. Yes. Um, so then I save up better and then I went to uh, Phoenix, Arizona with the help of the agency. They help you find your accommodation. Um, mm. They make sure that you connect with people that will help you kind of settle uh, quite well with the, the whole uh, living here. So that's important um, that you mentioned about planning because if somebody's thinking about you know, doing the same path, yeah. say a young uh, person is thinking about going the, down the same path. Planning is so important. So you had to save Planning, quite a, yeah. bit, a bit. You have to be like, yeah, I, I have to, I think I had to uh, deprive myself from a lot of things. <laughs> going to, to the movies. Exactly, like going uh -huh. to movies, going out with friends and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so how much did you think you saved altogether just so that you were able to prepare yourself just in case they're coming to the United States? So to United States, I had to save up uh, uh, altogether. It was eleven thousand uh, um, New Zealand dollars. Mm -hmm. So um, that's roughly eight hundred forty thousand VATO, and so that yeah, would be like ten thousand so. US dollars. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So wow. and then because remember, when you come to start working in any other places, you mm. have to work a couple of weeks that's before right. they pay you. Yes. So okay. I had to make sure that I have money for my rent mm -hmm. and food and all mm -hmm. that um, before I get settled. Uh -huh. And then yeah. you have to pay back the agency. And after. then while, exactly, mm -hmm. um, while you're working for them, mm -hmm. they get a little bit of money off the your pay. Right. So you have to save, you have to yeah. save properly for the first few months. But I really appreciate um, the opportunity that they gave me. Right. Yeah. And then after that, you become your own, like independent by yourself. So what, um, what, tell us a little bit about this agency. We talked a little bit about it, but what exactly do they, what exactly do they do? I mean, you said about them. So, um, so Geneva Health International in New Zealand, I think basically it connects you with uh, whatever agency in different countries that you apply for. Mm -hmm. So then uh, Avant Healthcare, basically they pay for your um, airfare, they pay for your exam, mm -hmm. and they pay for your training over here. Mm -hmm. And then they help you find a job. Mm -hmm. And then the hospital basically pay them. Mm -hmm. So during that eight months, it was basically I was working for this agency. Right. So the hospital paid them for me to work. Okay. And then so they will have to pay for your work permit as well, your visa. Oh yeah, they pay for your green card. Mm -hmm. um, they pay for all the other things that are required for you to be able to work in uh, any other country. I think all the other countries do the same. Mm. Um, so um, after that. 
after 18 months when the contract ended, mm -hmm. then I'm able to apply for any job anywhere mm -hmm. by myself and work okay. um, like totally away from them. Okay. Yeah. So now tell us about your first experience in Phoenix in the Maricop? Maricopa uh, Integrated Health. Mm -hmm. At the time it was called Maricopa Integrated Health, but um, I think recently they have changed their name to uh, Valley, um, Valley Healthcare, Valley, I think, Valley, Valley Wise, Wise Healthcare. Healthcare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've changed their name now to that. Mm -hmm. So um, I, in um, Maricopa Integrated Health, I basically worked in um, a surgical trauma unit. Mm -hmm. And then I did, after I worked there, I also did a surgical trauma ICU. And then I do what they call float pool nurses, which basically you go to every unit. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was fortunate to do uh, to work at one of the the largest uh, burn center in Arizona. It's called Arizona Burn Center. So burn center. What what does that mean? That like... means that they just basically we just get all the uh, burn patients uh, coming into that unit. They have their own ICU. So whatever they kind of burn own... that might be like exactly. fire, anything, uh, anything, yeah, accidents that exactly, okay. yeah. If you're in a motor vehicle accident, you get burned. Mm -hmm. um, you come over there, mm -hmm. but we also, you know, they have the trauma ICU also. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a little bit um it, it's divided mm. um but during um that experience at the burn center it was it was great because i um gained experience taking care of those patients and also they do a lot of research in that hospital so i have seen patients um have uh one of the things that really sticks with me is we were using pig skin mm. to kind of um, cover those wounds and let mm -hmm. them heal and it, it, the pig skin basically pay, peel off as the tissue grows and we also use uh, cadaver skin which is uh, dead people's skin and one of the doctors over there I think he developed some kind of spray uh, he, that he helps heal um, those burns mm -hmm. um, so that was an amazing thing to kind of like be involved mm -hmm. in that re the whole research thing mm -hmm. and see the the improvement mm -hmm. and what they can do uh, to get those patients better so that's um, fascinating like you went from just this young kid walking around in Vanuatu to exactly and coming into those places that I see those things that I thought I, I would never yeah. see before and especially uh, growing up in Vanuatu we don't see like gunshot wounds and yeah so tell things. us about um, that because it's Marco Hospital is like a county hospital. It is a county hospital and it, it is a, a level one trauma hospital for um, that zone in mm. um, in Phoenix. So you were the only Pacific Islander in that whole entire, in that hospital that, that you know, working. Yeah, I think I haven't really met anyone that is from the islands that... Mm. Um, um, yeah, I think in in San Francisco, I, I was uh, it was I met an Australian Australian nurse that okay. we both worked there. But in Phoenix, Arizona, I haven't really met anybody from um, the countries that I know that are close yeah. to home. Um, yeah. But I've met amazing people from all around the world that wow. work uh, in that um, in that unit. And you were working with all kinds um, of specialists as well at the same time. Exactly. So, so in a, a trauma unit, like you mm. work with plastic doctors, like vascular, hand, ENT, neurology, orthopedic, gynd, and medicine, and mm. you name it, that they all work together to help those, uh, those uh, patients coming mm. in. Um, so one of my biggest experience that really stick with me, because I grew up in a tiny... Um, 
tiny country it was with, that with no exposure of yeah any, like the first time yeah. i walked into the the trauma center and they told me uh we have a g a gsw coming in and i'm like you know like a gsw like no it's a gunshot wound and i was like amazed i was like oh my god i'm getting my first gunshot wound patients <laughs> like woo-hoo. i mean it's bad i'm sorry for the patient that is going through that but i it was like that was something that um it was great because now you learn how to care for these patients right. that of the things injuries that you don't get uh, so much at home i hope they don't do i mean they don't get that at yeah. home so much because of, you know with the violence and stuff so and so, then it happens every day and then uh, you're like oh yeah you know this yeah. is just a normal routine so the county hospital really is where if you don't have insurance health insurance that is yeah we get everybody that so comes this in is, so that includes mm. like uh Arizona, if you see like on the map, it's kind of close to Mexico. Right. So we get a lot of um, uh, like um, people, from people that were trying coming, to coming into from the, the border. borders. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things also that sticks out was caring for patients that were smuggled by the, like the cartels and all yes. that that come in. And um, we see them um, with injuries such as they're walking on desert for so long, for they so get long. burned feet. Yeah. Or sometimes you get people being dropped because they were like, they basically, those people were cruel. Like they yeah, yeah. amputate their hands or yeah. um, things like that for money yes. to try and make sure that they pay for the those the right that they were provided yes. for. So yes. those are things that I didn't realize that I was going to be exposed to. But yes. um, it was a good experience because it opened my eyes to. I felt like I was so naive, right? In some way, oh, yeah. Until I was coming into the trauma unit and you're exposed to so you're much violence. I mean, not violence, is very different so compared injuries. to this, right? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, so it was a big. It was yeah. a big. It was a big difference. Mm-hmm. Like. When I entered there, um, I think I had to, like, remember I was a timid and shy kid. Right. So I think I remember <laughs> one of the doctors yelling at me. Um, okay, I, I'm not going to lie. I cried. Yeah. Like, not cried in front of them, but I, I had to, like, I think the first few, the first week, I so was, like, crying. So this is in the center? In, no, no, no. That was, like, the Emergency trauma. Emergency trauma unit. The trauma. So things were happening very fast. Things were happening very fast, yeah. and I had to learn very fast. Right. And I had to grow it. On your skin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had to and grow it. It's thing. United States, so it's like yeah. work. And people like you know, it's work. You know, you gotta. And uh, and then I remember like I was crying, um, like crying, not the crying that I was gonna give up. I was crying like I am going to get this. <laughs> get this. So yeah. I had to like learn learn myself. So like, all this kind of, experience basically built you up for this. Yeah, I had to like um, learn whatever that needs to be learned to kind of make make it. Yeah, not say. Um, yeah, kind of grow. I didn't say make it like grow, and because it's something that I, I enjoy to do. Yes, yes. So, and then um, literally after that, having to move out from Phoenix and work in different hospital, I realized that um, that was more difficult. So, yeah. if you can make it in a county hospital, you can make it in any other hospital. Yes. Yeah. So county. So basically, in the United States, um, I think a lot of people know and understands about our healthcare. Uh, insurance is kind of the key to your health um, if you don't have health insurance um, that's the big dilemma right there that we continue yeah. to face so you're experiencing it first time yeah. yeah so you tell us a little bit like maybe an example maybe give us an example did you how many obviously you you did not turn anybody away no we didn't turn anybody away it's a county we, hospital yeah we cared for everybody I think mm. 
like in America, they have these zones where, because they have so many hospitals. So you have all these different zones that care for this, like, uh, the, you know, like the, the people within that zone. Mm. So, and then the other hospitals also. Mm. But sometimes I think like if for emergency, they don't, no hospitals tend away anybody. I just want to make right. that clear that no mm. hospitals tend any patients away. But like for um, any other issues that they can actually say, we're going to refer it you somewhere yeah. else uh, because they know that the cost will be a little a bit little more, bit so much. they'll refer it to us. Yeah. Yes. So we take, yeah, we take everybody. Yeah. 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 So from there, you then um, went on to, well, okay, let's talk about it. So, the, so the, from there, you then went on to uh, San so Francisco. Then, yeah, How so did, from there, I decided to uh, be a, a travel nurse again. Mm -hmm. So I signed up with a travel nursing agency called Fast Staff Travel um, Agency. Mm-hmm. And then they helped me um, get a job in um, a hospital in California. I think, like, if you if you've been in California, you know, there's a whole lot of UC hospitals. Mm -hmm. So this is called UCSF, which is University of San Francisco. And then you have like UC Davis, UC UCLA, UC San Diego. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I worked at UCSF. Okay. Um, can you give us a, a, a just give us a little glimpse of the experience if you were to walk into a trauma unit? Um, like what what does a typical day look like? So um, like the trauma or emergency department mm -hmm. in uh, any hospitals in America, um, they are basically really big. Like they are divided. Mm -hmm. So you have different we. We have like, you can have, um, I think it's like around 20 or more than that, mm. nurses in the um, the ER department. Mm. Um, and then we split into different areas. Like you have people working with, um, like they do the triage mm. and then they get the patients in. And then we have those that uh, basically um, take care of the, the patients that um, not coming through the, uh, the triage area, but they're coming like with the ambulance and stuff. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they are more like very sick patients. So mm -hmm. you basically spend the whole day doing like these different codes. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, like if we have ICU units are filled out, mm -hmm. then you have, you have to have acute care nurses, like uh, ICU nurses also down in ER that, um, and taking care of those patients during mm. the time until they get a bed mm. and then you have the what sometimes they call like um, it's cdu clinical decision um area uh, a unit where patients will come in and you know they're not too sick we'll just keep an eye on them for mm. like 24 or how many hours mm. and then send them home from so, there instead mm. of admitting them as an mm. uh, as an inpatient um, but most of this um, emergency uh, department, they'll have their own like um, CT scan in there. They have their own X-rays mm. and um, pharmacy. They, they have their own pharmacy. pharmacy. We have pharmacies working in in, in the yard. They don't, right. you know, because they the orders come in like mm. right away. Most of mm. the things that come, especially the patients that come in, like they uh, are very sick. Mm. So the pharmacies are there. So sometimes I think the last emergency department I work in, I think they were like all, always like three pharmacies in there so what yeah. was one of your example you talked about a little bit about the burned uh, center that you worked at give oh, yeah. us one of the you know story that you perhaps 
you know i think like one maybe of maybe you've never forgot oh well i'll never forget that because most of the times the dressings they take so long like mm. you have one patience you can do the dressing for like one and a half hours so it can wow. take like two hours mm. and also making sure that you're giving enough um like we sedate most of these patients mm. to make sure that they're not in a lot of pain mm. so yeah it's basically keeping them comfortable and sweating in all those those yeah. gowns to so that, um, that one girl that came in oh that was in a surgical the oh, that was in a surgical. it was a surgical trauma icu what I, happened i think i remember this one um kid i think uh one young girl that came in uh from a car accident and they were um so she was driving a she was driving one of those uh, little little car. little little car and it was, a, it was hit by a semi and it was hit by a semi and she went right underneath and fortunately for her i mean the cover of the car came off but just removed like the top the of top the part of, of the head mm -hmm. so um and these are the things like um that I kind of like learned and see and I was like wow we can you know the, yeah, you there's can. a lot of things in place that save lives yeah. so this plastics doctor did amazing thing um, they basically um, in order because of the swelling of the, the, um, the brain um, so we have to make sure that it has enough room to kind of like to heal so they remove the skull okay like uh, a piece of the skull and um, so kind of place open it. the top of the head yeah and then they place it um in the stomach and they, then they take the skull yeah they put it in the stomach in the stomach and let it stay there while we allow the head to heal so how did it how does that work? i think they place it between the subcutaneous tissue of the stomach so mm -hmm. that it stays moist and it okay. doesn't dry out or anything mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. oh so then it doesn't like when it comes to putting it back mm -hmm. you know it can really uh connect with all the, the tissues and everything okay. and allow it to to protect that the, um, the head the head the brain especially yeah so we did that i mean it's not only her they did that to so many i've seen a lot of mm. um, the trauma patients especially head trauma patients mm. so those are the one one of the things that that i would never like if i worked somewhere else mm. i would never see that mm. um but i, yeah, I think they have more you know, these other experiences yeah. also but so i think the point here is just that the experience that you gain and what can be done yeah what yeah. can be done it can happen that... in different parts of the world like so you talk about uh war you know in war uh, uh yeah war-torn countries where things could happen but yeah here's like things are happening in the united states and you you're seeing it done like it can be fixed like a lot yeah, of yeah yeah like mm -hmm. they're fortunate to have to, to have to have that yeah. um that um like all these equipments and all right. these doctors and specialists Special, and, yeah and yeah uh, a place for them to come in and so you definitely um, have a lot of this opportunity and, yeah learn. And wow. it doesn't like um, it doesn't stop right there. Like mm. I basically um, also remember where I came from. Right. So I I do a lot of volunteer work too, like mm. getting out of, of America. Yeah. So I basically uh, went to Haiti mm -hmm. and work in some of because Haiti is one. You know, it's really kind of like a poor. It's uh, one of the nations that mm -hmm. is still struggling. Yes. And, um, but um that i got a lot of experience working without the things also you know yeah. like with the without the resources without the resources and yeah. um, going to mexico yeah um also working there in like rural mexico yeah yeah getting in with um these different non-profit organizations mm. that help out mm. so so you're trying to balance that. i try to balance yeah. that so i don't forget you know yeah because like, sometimes we take things uh for yeah. granted yeah yeah 
So you, you, you not only do you take time to do that, I mean, to work overseas, but you yeah. also try to go back to places that really yeah. needed mm -hmm. and learn from that. Because yeah. I feel like learning occurs in any place, in you, any go place you go to. It's not just like in places that are more, um, more developed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, it's best to kind of um, broaden, you know, like widen yeah. your um, experience and, and, and learning. Yeah, learning. I think we've we've really covered a lot of the a lot of your stories, a lot of how you came to be. Now, now we're going to talk about what was it like? Because now you're working. You know, we've gone from you coming from New Zealand, all of those. You know, from Vanuatu to New Zealand. Um, obviously in Vanuatu, growing up, um, going to school in New Zealand, coming back, it wasn't a job. You went through a period where you um, had the experience of depression. Yeah. And from there, that kind of kickstart of how you can see these opportunities and with exactly. God's help and grace, oh, yeah. you with all His help, to, yeah, yeah, getting out. But and also the fact that um, the books, you know, and all of the things that kind of basically built you up to where you were ready to to go out into the world and and help um, in not just helping others but also learning. And that experience of learning is a continuous learning. Yeah. And while you're also learning, you also making sure that you're volunteering so you stay exactly so grounded I, exactly in that sense. stay grounded and know that you know yeah. don't take things for granted right yeah. so then now we're moving the story gets to where now you're in san francisco yeah and then comes 2019 yes and we all End know 2019 what, coming beginning of yes. 2020 so we all know yeah. this so this is the critical part of our discussion our story with miss floral bully here on coming to the mat we're going to talk to her about her experience during COVID-19 as the front as a frontliner and a Pacific Island woman and nurse. Yeah. How is that like? So I remember, I think um, it was funny because um, we didn't hear about like literally we didn't really like hear about coronavirus uh, i remember that it came to our because you work yeah. at one of the really good hardware well, top hospital in san francisco for research yeah in california yes um so i remember uh i was doing a presentation because uh, i involved myself with a research at ucsf in mm. that unit i was working it's called eras um and i remember doing the presentation after the presentation we had the infectious disease uh, i think somebody that was working with uh, one of the nurses that was working with the infectious disease like people that um, help to make sure that we keep um, um well well infectious disease is a broad term but i'm going to talk about those nurses that work there where they basically help to make sure that the policy and procedures for uh, basically standard precautions mm. to prevent uh, spreading of infectious disease mm -hmm. uh, they came into that meeting because now like i think there was like why are you they, presenting at the end of my presentation so what were you presenting what was your presentation um, at that time well my presentation has nothing to do with covid it was actually uh it was um a research that was carried out in my um unit uh, basically on um, taking care of uh surgical patients um and improving um they stay in the hospital and making uh placing in all these other like um activities that will help them get better and reduce uh, the length of stay and reduce the cost 
Um, so it was like we followed them from the clinic all mm. the way to surgery um, and from surgery if they go to ICU they follow them from there they come to the unit and they discharge and we follow them the whole until they completely recovered mm -hmm. um, so and then we um, when we find like things that needs to be um, changed mm -hmm. then it is they change them as we call so it was um, it was the the research was basically led by um, it was an anesthesiology and one of the colorectal surgeons that led that research. But anyway, it was at the end of that research that we noticed they came in, mm. the, this group, and they had this, um, all these um, equipments that, mm. that it's going to be, if you see, I mean, now it's all over YouTube and stuff. Um, the mask, mask and, and... The, yeah, the facial things and stuff. Mm. And um, they were going to teach us. They were going to say, hey, there's this, um, this thing that was going on right now in China and now. And it's first we States. were like, mm, you know, we thought, oh, yeah, you know, it's one of, you know, it was just one of those diseases like Ebola. Maybe it's yes. going to just stay in Africa. Uh -huh. Oh, maybe we will only stay in this place. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't come this far. Mm -hmm. So until um, until like one afternoon, I remember, I think it was like a Sunday af afternoon in the evening, mm -hmm. we all got a text from our, um, our phones. Mm -hmm. They were telling us that this is happening. Mm -hmm. There will be a whole lot of changes. So expect to come in tomorrow at work early, like real early, because there's going to be a delay because they're going to be like, they we're going to check everybody coming in. And if you're yeah. sick, they're sending you out because of this uh, COVID, which we haven't really really know it quite well so people yet. were not really prepared like nobody was aware of uh well i think they they weren't aware about the extent of oh, how okay. bad it was going to be because we basically uh believed in our healthcare system that right. it was going to sustain this like yes. we were going to uh yeah um be able to overcome this like maybe in only a few months yes um, so I remember going in and having to stand in line wondering, okay, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then when we went in and they were telling, okay, we're canceling all this surgery. And, you know, they were asking people to volunteer. So now you starting to know that this is serious. And I started to know that this surgery. is serious because they were like, now they're going to um, have this. Uh, and also because San Francisco was the first um, city to shut down altogether. Uh, so 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 the first uh, breakout was in it was declared through in Seattle, Seattle. Mm -hmm. and then we went down like complete shutdown okay and then when they um, did the complete shutdown mm -hmm. and then you know everything started coming in so how did so you know... start to know that this is very serious as, well, as, as a nurse like you know having to experience i think when we they're basically educating us and telling us about what's happening in china what's happening in like all these other places around america that it's it's um you know the extent of the disease mm -hmm. that can cause and how fast it was uh, it was it was spreading mm -hmm. and um that uh, i think the scary part is that because you know you have you always you always kind of know that there's going to be a treatment for something yeah. and then you're told that there's going to there's be no, no treatment, treatment. we're all learning yeah, exactly and, learning. and then having to uh, realize i think for me i remember realizing that i'm actually going in to take care of of these patients as they come in um mm -hmm. and i remember i'm not gonna you know i was scared yeah, i was like is, i was yeah. really scared mm -hmm. and 
um, I remember talking to my family also telling them that he like this is happening mm -hmm. and my family were very supportive and mm -hmm. they were all praying for me um, so that I you know I, I really thank them for that mm -hmm. um, so then um, I think one thing that made us that was a big thing for us is that you have to be prepared that uh, things changes every day so it's not like people Dude. expect that you know right. when you're in control of the disease remember the time the vaccine all, yeah. yeah i remember the time the vaccine wasn't, wasn't there yet. yes so as we learn and then it was frustrating for us also because like the next time we go to work they were like oh they, they tell us that you know this policy or whatever the procedure no changes. changes now you gotta wear this now you gotta do this now wow. you gotta so everything keeps changing and then um so you're in a whole different like learning experience learning that we experience. all learn everybody was learning yeah. as we go and mm. uh, we should appreciate all these um, scientists and mm. all these people that put a lot of work in kind of getting this vaccine for for our healthcare work and we all see things differently like right. everybody will see things differently but um for me i'm grateful because mm. i know that um having to go to work i know that i have some kind of protection right yeah yeah that's true because you are the frontliner you're the ones that are yeah really, you know yeah and because i remember going inside a COVID room patient uh, for the first time i had to i was afraid but i had to act like i wasn't afraid, afraid. for my patient right yeah so it was it was hard also communicating with families like we had no families come in to see their family members. So yeah, that was so a tell hard us thing. about that. Like, what was it like? Do you have a separate we unit had, just for people who had COVID? Or yeah, they know. had separate units mm -hmm. for uh, people that have COVID. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they started um, having patients like come in for different things. But then we find out that they have COVID. COVID. So they're already like in those different units also. But they oh, are in wow. you know complete isolations like they mm -hmm. make sure and one thing that we do if they're in that unit we make sure that the nurses having those patients have only those COVID patients so that they don't transfer oh, they do, yeah okay. they do not transfer um you know COVID exactly mm -hmm. um so it was like it was a learning curve you know, curve for everybody, everybody. Mm. so until the vaccine came it was yeah it was the game change which is great so tell us about like how chaos the hospital was when everybody starts coming in how, how see is... for us we were so grateful because we mm -hmm. want san francisco was in like new york right or mm -hmm. any other you know other state that mm -hmm. they were overwhelmed right like we still have some control when mm -hmm. they come in like the er was was still in control mm -hmm. uh because of the uh, restrictions that was in place way ahead of the other states okay, okay. yeah so we still like we're able to kind of like if they come in with respiratory errors you know they still people mm. Mm. Um, people that were able to take care of them mm. only thing it was when the healthcare workers were getting exposed oh. now when they're getting exposed you have to isolate all this number of nurses and doctors mm. uh, when they get sick so then i think the main big issue that was felt everywhere was that we were becoming really, really short of staff. Oh, like wow. literally you could come in and I there's like 11 it. nurses mm -hmm. calling mm -hmm. sick in a day, which it doesn't happen, like in a shift. I shouldn't say a day, in a shift. Mm -hmm. So you have like 11 to 10 nurses. So you come in and you are basically running on your feet. And sometimes it's it's bad because as a nurse, like when you have so much to do uh, in like without enough help, 
you can, you know, you start not remembering to take care of yourself. yourself yeah. Yeah. So mm. we do. And then that leads to us getting sick also. Exhausted. So exactly. Mm. And exhausted and mm. burnout. Mm. So the longer the pandemic um, lingers, um, people don't realize that uh, healthcare works, workers yeah. are burned out. Yeah. Mm. We're burned out because it's tiring to work with um, not enough people working. Right. Yeah. So what is the result of that right now in America as we're experiencing in, in your case, your like, hospital? Yeah, like we, I think like we deal with so many, like sugars are that burned out and then having to deal with like, we know people that we've worked with that we lost uh, mm. to COVID. Mm. So that also, it's, uh, it's one of the things that you have to work through it also. Mm. Mm -hmm. but and then keep on working mm -hmm. um and then worrying about whether you are going to get infected yeah, yeah. so at, at what point did you decide that maybe you should take a rest because a lot of nurses and doctors yeah. are doing that currently doing that and i think um because i basically um I also did float pool, which I worked in all the units. So, so float pool uh, is where you are put you to work. In, every... Yeah, you could work in ICU, ER. You mm. could work in like uh, medicine unit, transplant, hematology. They take you to all that. I don't do kids, so I only do adults. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, when you get like when you work with patients that are always like I always very sick. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was always in that high um, mm. alert kind of mode mm -hmm. um and then over time it, you get tired right because you go there and you're like i have to make sure somebody stays alive mm -hmm. so i think at one point i started having anxiety right like literally i was it wasn't funny it's not funny because i think as, uh, everybody experienced it differently and even like when i um there's some nurses that started talking about it and we we, we realized that we're all in the same po boat it was so like, you're it wasn't like i was yeah. doing this alone like sometimes you think maybe i'm weak but you're not and then yeah. you started talking to people and they're like i'm having a panic attack too like i go home i start having this anxiety and mm. stuff um mm. and yeah short tempered i realized mm. that i get really irritated irritated easily. very easily yeah just easily. not good when you're we're taking just, care of patients no which is yeah which is mm. not that great so mm. i think and then um i decided that i need to take care of myself that's like, good mental health right um, so mental and, health comes in play as well. Yeah, and the hospital really. is so great because they provided like uh, all these um, free, yeah, mm -hmm. like free therapists and stuff that uh -huh. you could go back and talk to. And I, yeah, and then I know my like our unit. Like if somebody died, doesn't matter whatever disease they die of. Um, you always like you have that opportunity to go and talk to somebody. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that was in place uh, for us. So how many nurses altogether did we decided that you know maybe we should take a break from your so unit? my unit I think like um, there was a large turnover like there was wow. like a whole lot of us like most people basically decided to move closer to uh, where they they're from like people right. move back to different states closer to yeah, families, to family and stuff. yeah. So that's what a lot of people did. I think mm. like I think within two months I think we had like I don't know sixteen nurses left. Mm. At the same time or mm. 10 10 mm. 16 yeah but there was a lot of us that left yeah um to go some people go and do different things and uh like uh, a lot of nurses i think they went to like uh, do do things that are much lighter they mm. went to like outpatient clinics 
yeah rather than being impatient because of the um, the i think because everyone was going through things you know like everyone was um, going through their own journey in this pandemic and needed a change to take care of themselves so it's almost like a recession of uh, nurses and doctors and pretty much you know all yeah. the in industries that are burned out from yeah and, and and do you see that the value changes? I mean, it's kind of weird that you go from yeah, taking care of a person. Exactly. And I, I think you you kind of um, you basically um, re- like you prioritize things differently. Mm. Like you, uh, how do I say that? I basically um, I think I I realize that there are some things that matters most than mm. the others that I need mm. to kind of prioritize them differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, um, so the Great Recession is what they called. Um, so you see, as it, obviously this pandemic has really changed. Yeah, and um, I think relationships also mm, like it, it changes mm. your relationship with people. Yeah, um, and, and, and with your job, especially. Yeah. yeah, and the job. Yeah, like I love, like we all like with the nurses that left. It doesn't mean that we didn't like what we were doing. doing. Yeah, it's just that um, you know you had to take care of yourself also you, you do have yeah. to take care of yourself so this is so that you can take care of somebody else right so this is what united states is going through this is you one one story that we could tell about yeah. uh, you know health and that's why yeah care. and then, that's why i kind of uh pushes um like encourage people i know people have like a whole different beliefs about mm-hmm. a vaccine and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. but um as for me i would encourage people to get vaccinated mm-hmm. um just to help their um to help themselves mm-hmm. like like the first thing that comes first is like you know you protect yourself you want to yeah. stay alive right. and you want to protect your family mm-hmm. But also realizing that um, it helps the healthcare system also, like it helps yeah. those who are trying to take care of um, the overall health of one country. Right, yeah. that is true. But otherwise, it just keeps going. Yeah, otherwise um, it keeps going. As now we see that these new variants are coming up. Yes. So we have no idea where this is gonna take us to. Right. And being a nurse, like being, and I know, like I can, you know, we don't say much, but I know that all these healthcare workers, like um, basically this us too because like okay yeah. this is never ending yeah like, we are going like, to be keep doing this yeah and and it's sad that these a uh, solution and people are not taking it yeah so yeah yeah that is uh, the one uh, thing that we're seeing from you know is changing you know the atmosphere of vaccine um whatever yeah. you believe but as a frontline worker yourself having yeah. to experience firsthand yeah. um we obviously haven't kind of really go into detail more about some of the stories but um this is floral's uh, story about you know having a pacific islander um Nivanuatu woman working yeah. in the united states where um so many people die um and now she's taking a break you know yeah, taking so care taking- of herself Take two months off, mm-hmm. and then before I um, head back to work. Um, yeah, there's another thing that I wanted to mention about. Um, I think because I'm from Vanuatu, right? 
And I would want to mention that I think Vanuatu is doing an awesome job. Awesome job. Yeah, yeah, a great job in preventing, putting preventative measures to prevent the disease and COVID from getting into the country. Mm. Um, And right now it's safe. Like people uh, are feeling like they're safe because, you know, we have only like a few cases which they're not, uh, they haven't really become really serious illness Mm -hmm. or been, you know, kind of transmitted in the the community. Community. Mm -hmm. But people that are not vaccinated i mean that's your choice mm-hmm. um, but i think they have to understand that when uh, when the border is open because of how um we have i'm gonna say like we i mean looking back now um we have great like great amazing um, nurses and doctors working in vanuatu right yes. now mm-hmm. but people have to understand that um the extent uh, of COVID when it hits uh, a country or um, you know, area um, of people, and when people get really sick, mm-hmm. it's going to come in. And how do um, we? How do the you know the healthcare workers work in taking care of uh, serious illness? Um, that will depend a lot on um, um, the manpower, like how many um, nurses and doctors available to take care of that number of people coming in. Mm. So if we have like only a few um, coming in and there's more nurses and doctors working, then we're great because they will save lives. Right. But you have to think that if you have a whole number of people coming in and you have only less doctors and nurses working, mm. people are going to die right. because they have to prioritize yes um all the time so that's why you know i'm encouraging people to get vaccinated because when the disease gets there there is no way that um we're not going to see people die like there's mm-hmm. going to be some people that they're going to die. die they're going to die yeah, yeah that's going to be reality yeah. because you know mm-hmm. every country gets mm-hmm. um you know they get their share of that which is really unfortunate yes um and depending on how the healthcare system is set up yes. uh, for each country mm. So we're safe right now, but get vaccinated. Mm. Um, take care of the um, your family and the the healthcare workers mm. and um, the system, so it doesn't crash when it yeah. hits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and I um, really appreciate um, the authenticity of your story, um, giving us the glimpse into your life as a young Nivanuatu girl growing up in a home that um, you have witnessed all kinds of experiences that prevailed you uh, to further yourself and through uh, God's help in many situations and family. Um, you know, you have shown and proved that um, for a young girl who struggled to try and go to school and just being able to get through school, the opportunities are always, you know, whether it's disadvantages for the girls, um, yet you were able to make it through. And so that's a, um, yeah. and don't, a success yeah, don't story up. in itself. Yeah. So we really appreciate you telling us this story because we, ha- we do um, pray and hope that it does impact a lot of the young girls and whoever that's out there that's listening, whether you're from Vanuatu or you're from other parts of the world or even in the Pacific, other uh, Pacific uh, country, uh, you know, know that nothing is impossible. As long as you put your mind to it, she did mention a lot of things that uh, helped her. Her mother was one of the um, catalysts of empowering her, uh, encouraging her. And in books were other things. So making sure that uh, you get those books and you read. Yeah. Um, that's also something the power of imagination the power of reading 
Um, And not only that, you had uh, examples. Your grandmother was a great yeah. example. That Even though can... I, I never met her, but mm. I, I think her mm. her poetry, her picture yes, was picture. actually something that made so you me... yeah. So you see yeah. yourself in her, and so this is her story. So you know that she is able to make it. I'm sure there's other Pacific Island nurses who are also working in our diaspora, and we would love to hear your story as well because it does uh, allow for us to talk about this, especially in the time of COVID, where we're still experiencing um, all different. Um, you know, variant of it coming out now we have a new one yeah. um, but it's not something to be fearful it's something yeah. that we should also we, be ready learn. Yeah, and learn so prepared and prepared and working together um, so we really did do appreciate your time with us is there any other thing that you want to say as a word of encouragement and then before we finish uh, we would like to ask like what are the current books that you're reading right now so I uh, the current books that I'm reading I think I um, one of my favorite author right now, I think a lot of people would know, is C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'm reading most of his books and uh, William Law. Mm-hmm. So those books are more uh, basically encourage you about you know spiritual spirituality, you know mm-hmm. your life with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, the pandemic made mm-hmm. kind of restructure my walk with God also mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. uh, doesn't doesn't mean that I'm walking always. Um, uh right but Mm -hmm. it's something that it helps you to keep pushing and um renewing Mm -hmm. your walk with god yeah Yeah. and what would be one word of encouragement that you'd like to give to a child or a girl a girl child that might be right now in that your situation when you were once that little girl yeah Uh, basically is do not compare yourself with other people whatever situation if they're going ahead of you Mm -hmm. is um just kind of um nurture wherever you are Mm -hmm. And uh, tap into any opportunities or doors that it's open to you. Don't not, do not be afraid. Ask questions mm. and uh, go for it. Yeah. Even if it has to be somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, just go for it. And even if you have to do it alone, don't be yeah. afraid. Mm-hmm. Just do it alone with um, uh, with God with you. Yeah. I think my my main thing that I felt like pushes me also a lot is. Um, trusting in God mm. and making sure that you never think that you can do um, a lot without him right. that he is uh, the source of everything right. and help for you yeah, yeah. well we want to thank you so much for coming to the mat with us not only here um, to listen but also to be inspired and to walk that journey that whatever that you uh, feel like you're you know maybe it's uh, being a nurse maybe it's a doctor or a scientist um, maybe um, you know engineering whatever it is you know this is a, a story of someone who um, is able to make it this far and she continues to do so and I think uh, the next journey for her is maybe some amazing projects are coming up in the near future yes I'm looking forward to work with uh, Melanesian um, women today women today um down the road yes so be watching for this space she will be doing some um, stories as well we'll be doing um health education with uh floral and uh, that's something that our podcast new podcaster will be coming out and so um, to help any nurses out there who are thinking to uh, do community uh, work uh, that will be something that we will be putting up on our website as well on our facebook page so um We thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today 
and uh, we ask that you continue to uh, be who you are and continue to uh, just be awesome okay so uh, bye everybody This podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org. That is all one word. Melanesian Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl, and child in their respective communities in Melanesia lives a productive, healthy, and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of lives and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for your support.